0: I've been cord, but I'm keeping on, keeping on, check. I've been torn, but I'm keeping on, keeping on, check. And I've been broken.
1: Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm Dove Tusman and you're back on Equal Footing. It's nice to be back. We took a little bit of a break there because of the Jewish holiday of Shavuos. Hope everyone had a good Memorial Day. On Memorial Day, there's a lot of traffic. Did you get stuck in traffic? Did you overreact? Did you get road rage? Did you yell at someone in front of you, even if they maybe couldn't hear you? We all do that, it seems. What is up with overreaction, anyway? It's one of the primary kind of characteristics of being human. We are constantly. As human beings, blowing things out of proportion. Think of yourself in a restaurant. If a waiter doesn't get your order exactly right, have you ever kind of blown up? I mentioned the road rage example. If you have kids, parents that are listening right now, you know what overreaction is about. Toddlers spend, it seems like, a lot of their waking hours overreacting. In relationships, we frequently are living in a reality of an emotional reaction that our partner doesn't even understand at that moment. We sometimes are on a completely different... I think I'm having trouble with the mic here. Let's see. There we go. We're sometimes on a completely different wavelength, reacting as if our partner said one thing when he or she really said the other. And overreaction isn't just negative. It's also positive. Sometimes we break down and cry at and enjoy that is at the most beautiful, what seemingly little thing. Sometimes we react as if we've just been given the greatest boon of all time when we're just given a simple compliment. Why are we programmed this way? We've got two guests tonight to talk about overreaction. One, a veteran of this program, a wonderful life coach. Jewish philosopher, if you will. hope he doesn't mind me calling him that. He's been on a number of times before. He's able to coalesce biblical wisdom with the down and dirty of our daily life. That's Rabbi Stephen Bars. I'm going to introduce a little bit more about Rabbi Bars in a moment, but let me introduce a new guest to Equal Footing. Sitting opposite, giving a perspective from a behavioral science perspective, clinical psychology perspective. Again, why do we do this? Why can't we just keep an even keel, see things as they should be kept in perspective? We're going to hear from Dr. Edrika Richardson as well. And actually, I'm going to start by introducing Dr. Richardson because Uh, Rabbi Bars, I know your bio pretty well. Let's see if I can get this right. Dr. Richardson, you're a licensed marriage and family therapist. You're licensed in multiple states across this country uh, and also the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy approved supervisor. You're one of those. Dr. Richardson works with adolescents, couples, families throughout the U.S. and even in the Caribbean islands and has clients, in fact, all over the world. Her clinical specialties include relationship issues, individual issues, family counseling, counseling, life coaching, like. Her sparring partner tonight, to name a few. In addition to her clinical practice, Dr. Edger, Dr. Richardson who I like uh, and and you're going to tell me Dr. Richardson whether well, I should call you Dr. E which some people call you uh, Dr. Edrica Richardson on the show or Dr. Richardson I'll stick with Dr. Richardson for the moment you've been teaching also undergrad and graduate students for over a decade uh, in, in a, a number of U.S. colleges universities as well as the Bahamas that's pretty cool you also co-host a, bi, a bi-weekly bi, Bahamian is that how I say Bahamian radio show about mental health and relationships I want to hear that show and you've been a guest on many other radio and TV shows here, you're a veteran. You're also co-authoring your first book on relationships, and uh, you want to spread the word on the importance of relationships and mental health internationally. You do that through speaking engagements around the world. Dr. Richardson, wonderful to finally have you on equal footing. Can you hear me? Hopefully you can. Hopefully we'll get her on the air, maybe maybe on mute.
2: I can hear you. Can you hear me? There you
1: go. We got you. Dr. Richardson, should I call you Dr. E or Dr. Richardson?
2: Either or is
1: fine. All right. We'll see how familiar we get on this uh, most human okay. of subjects. All right. Well, Rabbi Bars, uh, I I always enjoy having you on the program. You also like Dr. Richardson speak all over the world. You've spoken in front of the United States Senate. You've also spoken on at the Los Angeles Improv. What a combo. Uh you're a regular speaker at Fortune Magazine summits, you summits, you've authored many books including one that I highly recommend to listeners called Bliss, the marriage and parenting book and the Worst Marriage Advice in the world. I want to hear that advice in another program. Uh, Rabbi Bars, you're the creator of a highly popular motivational seminar called Think Like a Winner, and you have seven kids, so you definitely know what I was talking about, about uh, kids overreacting. You're known, Rabbi Bars, for imparting important ideas, a lot of creativity and humor. I always love having you on the program. Check out Rabbi Bars' websites. Uh, One is getbliss.com. And the other is CORE9. That's C-O-R-E, the number 9, CORE9.live. Rabbi Bars, welcome back to Equal Footing.
3: Great being here. Fantastic. That was a great show. Great theme. I love it.
1: I am a victim, uh, let's see, I I am a perpetrator and a victim of this. I am uh, often will overreact. I, I think I, 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 would self diagnose as having OCD. So when things aren't exactly right or in their place or, you know, even when I'm preparing for this program, if things don't seem to be going exactly as I think they should, I will sometimes just freak the heck out. And Rabbi Bars, I want to start with you. I'm Jewish. Not all of our listeners are. Many are. Uh, we hear a lot in other faiths. Some of which have been represented in this program about controlling the emotions being like a really divine thing to do. Certainly, in Christianity there's a lot of text around that. Buddhism, one could argue, is kind of a stoical path, etc. As Jews, is that a primary dictate to kind of keep our emotions in check and not lose it?
3: A hundred percent. But but now to find what means to keep them in check. That's where you're going to get. That's where you're going to get a lot of debate, Cause every, every, you know, there, there are three things you can never tell people to do, right? You can't tell people to think, you can't tell people to be to care, and you can't tell tell people to be good, because everybody, everyone thinks they think, everyone thinks they care, and everyone thinks they're good. So you, you, you can't no tell people. They, you can't
1: tell people to chill out.
3: no, no, right, that's a, that's a, that's a bonus. No one thinks they overreact. It's like telling you someone to calm down after the iceberg hits the Titanic. You know, it, it, it's all very nice when it's not your, not your crisis.
1: So I want to get back to the conflicting guidance, it seems to my layman's eye that we get in Judaism. But let's, let's get on the table the kind of behavioral science perspective. Dr. Richardson, why is something that is so prevalent? Uh, seem to be damaging. I mean, we, we all in our, unless, unless you're a, you know, you're a monk or a, or a tzaddik, we all overreact at various points, even during our day. Right. And, and so it seems like I, I'm a, I, in a, at heart, I'm a rationalist and I, I, it feels like we must be programmed this way evolutionarily or something like what, what is the, Programming. Why do we overreact in ways sometimes that hurt our social standing? Uh, you know, when you yell in that restaurant at a, at a waiter, you don't look good. You're not helping yourself and stature and frame right. others or setting a good example for your kid. What's going on?
2: So the whole idea of overreacting comes from our want to protect ourselves against any type of threat. So we tend to do it because. Naturally, we're inclined to to self-protect, and so when we feel in a threatened position of any kind, we'll tend to do things like shout or sometimes um, become overly anxious or overwhelmed, which you start to see in those behavioral reactions, and a lot of that's sometimes related to stress, past trauma, or any sign that you're just feeling like that may happen. So what our need to do automatically would be, how do I protect myself from that? And that's when you see the overreaction.
1: So I'm going to probably brutalize this, but is this kind of like, if I think about this evolutionarily, is this like, okay, I don't have time to assess this potential predator in my territory. I just need to react violently right away, just in case they're here to steal my baby or something. I mean, you gotta, you know, okay. So if that's the case, let, let's let's take your definition, which I kind of like, and and it, it helps rationalize it. And Rabbi Bars, uh, and please, I hope I don't get kicked off. It seems like every week I risk getting kicked off the air. But it seems like if we accept Doctor Richardson's definition, there just for the, you know that's accepted as a hypothesis. Then why does God in? The Bible and Chumash and and Tanakh seem to overreact. Like God's not threatened. Hashem should never feel threatened, but yet it seems like overreactions are all over the place. You're going to destroy entire towns like Sodom and Gomorrah because of, you know, the acts of a few or only some. You're going to reject, perhaps even destroy the entire people of Israel because they kind of went off the path. As it were, the the, the the kind of giving to people of Israel, almost like blessed genocide, with respect to the the Canaanites, or, you know, his land is then uh, assumed. The, the, you know, Miriam getting leprosy for throwing out a criticism. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt because she looked back. I mean, these things like seem like massively blowing things out of proportion. And if we overreact because we're threatened, why does Hashem seem to be constantly overreacting?
3: That's a a fantastic question. I love that question. So so it is a there's many answers. It, it, well we're perfect. Each scenario requires a different answer. But simply put, there you know, there are times that Abraham, Moshe, Moses calls God out on them. So it, it's you know, God does, um so to speak, overreact, but the over- overreacting is, is a signaling that we all give. You know, if you have children, you can tell your child, you know, don't eat the candy, but you're not going to say before dinner, but you're not going to say it the same way when you say don't touch the stove. So the overreaction is a signaling of of the meaning behind what you're trying to do. So if you overreact with the stove, you're telling your child this is really, really important. And if you don't do that, you can't you can't give over the message. Things don't transcribe as if if you don't have emotions behind it. So so overreacting is a very important survival mechanism of or transference of information that you will lose if you don't have it. So, you know, you, you, you forget your wife's birthday. Don't do this. Try this at home. But you forget your wife's birthday. You're going to get one reaction. You, you forget your mother-in-law's, mother-in-law's birthday. You're going to get a different reaction. Mm-hmm. Each one tells you where you should, you know, where you should be careful on.
1: Let, let's get back to, before we get to our first break, though, one of the most troubling passages In, in, in the Bible for me, the, the, the dialogue that's going on around the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and Abraham's, you know, kind of like advocating that that doesn't happen and kind of, uh, you know, arguing with God as it, as it were through the archangel. What's, What's the, what are we to learn there? What what's going on? What's the lesson for us that we're we're seeing that we're being shown that God is is okay with kind of willy nilly it seems destroying whole groups of people, not all of whom are at fault.
3: Well, again, it's it, it, you know God's reaction there is signaling to us how important humanity is to Him. So, you're, you're, you know, your kid's playing around with a, you know, a Lego set, and it falls down and breaks. You're not so bothered. But, but if he's playing near your mean vase, you are bothered. So it's telling, telling your child what's important to you. You can always tell children know what's important to you by what you get upset about. So you you know if you get upset that there's a stain on the couch, they know what's that's important to you you get you you don't get upset when you get a, uh, lower grades than they' expected, then they know you're not that important to them
1: so you're saying yeah. that that through that story of the of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah that we're being shown how important the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah actually are to God, and that's why he, why that's why they get so upset that's why God gets so upset. I, how
3: important they are. You know, Margaret Thatcher, when she was the Prime Minister of England, she said a very interesting thing. We should bring back the death penalty. So, you know, in England you can't get the death penalty except for, for trying to kill the king. Uh what they call it, treason. So Regicide. you can't get the Right, So you you can't get there's no death penalty. So she said we should think that even if we never carry it out, just so that people know how valuable human life is.
1: Ooh, that's an interesting argument. Okay, we're going to have to take our first break. We're here with Dr. Edrica Richardson and Rabbi Stephen Bars. We're talking about overreaction when we blow things out of proportion. Small things become big things, become arguments, and sometimes... Ruin people's lives. We're going to be right back after the break. Participate. Talk to us about your struggle with overreaction or perhaps your mechanisms to help diffuse conflict in those situations. You can send, as always, a text, comment or question to Dr. Edrickson and Rabbi Bars or myself to, or by WhatsApp. You can also do it SMS or WhatsApp. Here's the number. Don't call this number. This is for writing 917-428- Four zero six two. That's 917-428-4062. If you want to participate live, you can call into the radio. You can do so by giving your name or not anonymously. Here's the number. Write it down. And if you call in, please be patient on the switchboard. Sometimes it'll take a while before we take your call. 718-303-9090. That's to call in and participate on this show on overreaction. 718 303 9090. Be right back. I I think we could program the music on the show entirely out of pink. <laughs> she's she's so great in capturing human emotion from the good to the bad. All right. Well, our sponsor I'm going to talk about here for a minute uh, is also great about talking about tough stuff, bringing up tough stuff that sometimes we need to deal with. In this case, as men or as a couple, that's E.D., It is not something to be embarrassed about. There's no shame in having erectile dysfunction. It affects over two-thirds of men at some point in their lifetime, and it can really affect the emotional stability of couples. Do something about it. There are, of course, expensive blue pills that are out there, but they are not the right solution for a lot of people because of side effects and comorbidities. There's more of those being found out all the time. There is a durable solution 2-ED that is non-invasive, no side effects, surgery-free, painless, and it's called Gaines Therapy. And it is offered by Manhattan Medical Associates. Manhattan Medical offers this to anybody in the United States. You don't have to be in Manhattan or even in the New York area. You can get a teleconsult, get your pen out, get ready to get this number because there's a special deal if you mention you heard about their Gaines ED Therapy on the Equal Footing Radio Program. I want to be clear. Manhattan Medical's Gaines Wave therapy is a permanent solution for ED and it is found to be effective in over 90% of patients. It's been around in Europe for quite a while, uh, more recently introduced in Canada and just over the last few years approved in the United States. I know someone who's in his 80s who has used the Gaines Wave therapy and it's been effective for him with respect to ED. It's available to anybody at any appropriate age. Call for free consultation. I'm going to give you the number. If you mention that you heard about Manhattan Medical's Gainswave Erectile Dysfunction Therapy on equal footing, you get a free consult. That's a two hundred and fifty dollar value, and you can do so in person or by Zoom from anywhere in the U.S. The number's eight 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 EDQ9. In numbers, that's eight 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 three three two eight seven three nine. Give it one more time from Manhattan Medicals Gainswave Therapy. For ED, 888-ED-CURE-9, or 888-332-8739. Call now. I've
0: called.
1: All right, Dr. Edrickson, before the break, you were very patient there. Listen to a little bit of theology and Rabbi Bars, we already have some listeners that are pushing back a little bit. It's going to be fun. But I think Rabbi Bars said something really insightful about what it's a little bit of a torturous argument, but the fact that we kind of, in a sense, are hardest on the people we love the most. And the, I was giving the example yeah. of, of Sodom where the you know, God seems is in Rabbi Bars' words like that's evidence of how much God cares about behavior. Um, whether we agree with the punishment or not. In this case, the, it seems like in, in, in my life, Dr. Edgerson, I do that. I'm toughest on the pe- people that I love. I tend to blow up much more easily at my partner, for example, thank God, not my mm-hmm. you know, children, but the, my partner, as opposed to, you know, someone I work with and then even less likely to blow up at someone, you know, less like to ever road rage or blow up at a, at someone in the street. What's going on? Why am I, why am I, I don't know if I'm programmed to do this, but why, why am I tougher on or blow up more easily or lose my cool more easily with the people I love?
2: It's because in those relationships, we tend to be most vulnerable. And when we feel that there's going to be a threat to vulnerability, then we become, again, protective, overreactive, because in those relationships that you mentioned, like with your kids or with your partner, you open up and share some of the most intimate, vulnerable parts of yourself, and they have that information. And because they have that information, they, they do pose a threat, right? They pose a threat in a healthy way in which they can support you and be there and love you, but they also pose a threat in a way in which they can use that information against you. And I think we have those expectations as well because we we all have a certain standard that we would like things to happen by, and sometimes we do need to question if that standard is realistic at times.
1: So you're saying that when I am let, – let me let's turn it around, actually. Just, just this weekend, um, my partner kind of misunderstood something that I did and kind of went – a little bit off the deep end. Those are my words. And it it kind of had a, it it had a ripple effect throughout our weekend. We were actually in a professional setting, a part of that. And it was just really discombobulating. And to understand it, when that's happening, I, it's because she's more easily, because I, I wouldn't see her doing that necessarily with others. She would be much more diplomatic, much more reserved. Right. And so that's because I make her feel more vulnerable. Cause I have like special information. I I'm not quite. Well,
2: so think about it like this. When, when you decided that that person was special enough to be your partner, there were reasons in which you chose them to be in a relationship with you and that level of relationship. And the closer someone is to you, they, are, they hold more information about you as a person. They know little things about you, right? She knows how probably to push a button and also um, when to pull back, which things are your triggers. And what happens as a result of it is because relationships, we are, they're so intimate, right? Even like the ones with our children are intimate because we want their survival. We we want to make sure they grow up to be great citizens of the world. Because all of that is constantly happening and we're navigating through that and through our own emotions, that creates situations in which we become sometimes stressed or anxious or emotionally just overwhelmed. And all of those things create what we call vulnerability threats, right? Because these people know you on a different level, right, on a vulnerable level, meaning that they they have a certain sense of information, certain insight into you a stranger would not have. That's why that, that your partner could go out and be professional, right, mm-hmm. in the context of those relationships because there is no long-term value.
1: Huh. So does that mean in a certain sense that we're – I mean, I put words in your mouth, but does that mean we're not really, in a certain sense, wired to be that vulnerable? I mean, it works for us now in modern society, but you know, in <laughs> when we were cave people, are we? Is it like actually too risky to be emotionally vulnerable evolutionarily?
2: No, I think w- what's actually been the problem is that how we have mm-hmm. defined vulnerability in this reality is that it, it's a threat rather than seeing it as something of quality, something of value, something in which we, we shouldn't feel that if somebody knows or has certain things that it would be a threat to us, right? Because when you think of being in a vulnerable situation, you think of it being being something scary, right? Something putting you at risk. But if you think about that close relationship you have with your partner, the part of what makes it so deep, what makes it so connected is the fact that you are so closely connected.
1: Right. It's such a, it's such tricky territory. I, I we wanna just got to ba-
2: redefine it. I,
1: yeah. I want to come back to you and get some rest, like uh, some, uh, tips for listeners on how to not be as reactive. Uh, and and I do want to also talk about the kind of the positive aspects of re, of reaction of being reactive. But Rabbi, I, I, we got to dive into some of these listeners. I got a, I got a, a flood here. Um, and actually from uh, maybe there, maybe other faiths are represented here, but definitely some Jews and some Christians writing in. Um, and let's, let's start with kind of uh Hamashic references. There are, and this was, this was in our, in our pregame. We looked at this as well. We're back on uh, to, to Abraham, uh, advocating against the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, um, he says, far be it from me, effectively speaking to Hashem. Like how basically, like, how could you do this? Um, and I get the explanation you gave earlier, Rabbi, about like, there's like, you, you, you're, uh, Dr. E talked about this as well. Like you're tougher on the, the, the folks you love, but taking someone's life is awfully friggin' tough. Like, the, what is up with this kind of willingness to terminate life based on what seemed like let's call them infractions, I don't know about minor infractions, but infractions.
3: well, you know that that's how you, know, you if you think about it How do how do we have such a reverence for human life today? Because we've been through the Second World War, we've experienced the Holocaust. Humanity as a as a whole is like a a a single human being that retains the values of each generation. It's not not starting all over again each each century. So you know if we didn 't have the second World War, we would not value life as much as we as we do the race relations is a is a very important concept because we 've been through slavery If, we, if, we, if, if the world hadn 't experienced the cruelty of one person to another person, we wouldn 't have any idea of how important it is to teach human values and human worth. All these things come unfortunately. We often have to learn through the negative, but that's that's you know, that's yeah you know, human beings one of our best virtues is being stupid. You know, Einstein once said, there are two things that are infinite, the universe, and man's stupidity, and I'm not sure about the universe.
1: <laughs> but I'm going to get to one listener's uh, question here. So, so Samuel is writing about, we could do a whole show on, on God's wrath, uh, but Samuel here is making the point to you, Rabbi, that uh, God's. Anger seems to burn against disobedience more than injustice. For example, let's look at the crimes that, according to the law of Moses, require the death penalty. Among these are sacrificing to a god, other than Hashem rebellion, rebelliousness on the part of a child, a child who hits or curses his parents, premarital sexual intercourse. And last but not least, the requirement for a priest to burn his daughter alive. If she became a prostitute, this listener goes on and is basically making the point that these are disproportionate reactions and seem to be about disobedience. And, what what on what possibly is the lesson here? That 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 we can all agree that at least a couple of those seem disproportionate. Putting a child to death because they're rebellious against a, a parent—it's just—it's it, clearly out of yeah, proportion. It is.
3: Well, the, 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 you know, we could spend a lot of time, but let me give you a very simple example of how they're missing the point here. You see, the the, the we all know now about the flood that that was brought about because of man's inhumanity to man. And the Bible points that out. We're also familiar with the Tower of Babel. And the Tower of Babel was man fighting with God. In fact, the Midrash says that they they built a tower was supposed to go to heaven. They wanted to kill God. As crazy as that may sound, but that was their intention. Mm -hmm. What happened with the flood? Everyone died. What happened with the Tower of Babel? They were dispersed. Why? Because God can take a hit against Himself. He, he's got a big enough personality, but when we don't treat each other well, that's where He really loses it. So that's an underlying message. Yes, for sure, you have to have respect for your parents and things like that. But the the greater you know, the greater crime, and that's where the emphasis comes is man's inhumanity to to man. That's where we really lose it. That's where the emphasis is placed, but you might not. As they get that by just reading the lines in the Bible, you have to hear again the, the tension and the, the the message, the value of those principles as they you know as, as they're meant to be.
1: Right, it's a very mystical reading. It obviously doesn't apply to you know, the the penalty that would, the death penalty applied for, for example, for worshiping idols, which seems to be. About the relationship between man and God. But we're going to need to take our our next break. Fascinating conversation about overreaction. Why do we blow up sometimes and lose our cool at the littlest things? Or we're going to talk about this after the break. Have the most incredibly positive reaction for something that seems to be inconsequential. Be right back. I'm going to give the number one more time and call her on line three. Please be patient. We'll get to you after the break to participate live. 718-303-9090 to send in a question or comment by text or WhatsApp. 917-428-4062. We'll be right back with Dr. Edrika Richardson and Rabbi Stephen Bars.
4: That's 212-661-3376. You could even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures.
0: I've been called.
1: Do you need a death certificate? Well, Dr. Allenwood, um, I was hoping to compile
5: an admittedly rudimentary scrapbook of her life. <laughs> Something that Betsy could have and hold
1: on to. Well, I suppose I could make a copy of it. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, well, it's um, very nice meeting you, George. Likewise. <laughs>
0: What are you doing? What? Did did you
5: just double-dip that chip? Excuse me? You double-dipped the chip. Double-dipped? What what are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite,
0: and you dipped again. So? That's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip. (laughs) From now on, when you take a chip... Just take one dip and
1: end it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Timmy, <laughs> but I don't dip that way. Oh, you don't, huh? No. You dip the way you want to dip.
5: I'll dip the way I want to dip. Give me the chip. Hey, hey, hey! hey.
1: hey. All right. Th- that was uh, courtesy of our wonderful producer. <laughs> courtesy of our wonderful producer who. Uh, and a little clip that's George Costanza from Seinfeld and they're at he's at a funeral and a funeral attendee i guess is the dead person's relative gets up and angrily asks why is double dipping the chip and and freaks out but i think the I, I think I'm trying to get in her head, but I think the reason why we included that here, other than the fact that I, I love Seinfeld, and by the way, if just a little parenthetical, if you want to have a lot of fun, we did this in the pregame research for the show, look up online like video clips from popular culture or from elsewhere at social media of people overreacting, and you will see some stuff that hopefully you won't recognize too much in yourself, but this is a funny area of human behavior. But I think the the thing that's going on there dr e uh is that this person is the the they're at a funeral and they're clearly flipping out about something not so important but they're also got a lot of pent up obviously you know emotion and Mm -hmm. it it seems like and this is like you know my like psychology one o one, but it seems like a lot of the time when we overreact, it's like a spillover it's like a bursting of the vessel when you just we can't contain the emotion we yeah. have going on is Is that a reasonable layperson's read
2: it is and and I think a lot of it has to do with a sense of control you mentioned earlier. You have uh, some obsessive-compulsive behaviors, right? And and because of those, they may create times in which you react certain ways. So I think one of the things people have to understand and have to know is that you, ha- you do have a sense of control of what can be controlled. But the, I'm sorry, you can't control everything, but what you can control is how you react. So in instances where things may be out of place or the show isn't going just as well as you would want, you have the opportunity at that point to say, how am I going to respond to this bump in the road, to this hassle?
1: Yeah, and try to keep an even keel, presumably.
2: Try to keep it even keel. The other thing a person has to do is learn to separate the person from the point or from the problem. Sometimes what happens is that When there's underlying tension that's there, what we tend to do is we tend to point fingers, right? And it's so much easier to point at somebody else rather than take accountability for our role in what might have happened or what might have been misunderstood. And I'm assuming that's what might have happened this weekend, which started kind of like the little spiral that went downhill. And because at the time, most people aren't thinking – rationally, right? We don't necessarily use a rational part of ourselves where our emotions are high. So we have to remind ourselves that overreacting is not always rational response to things. And just because your feelings are strong it doesn't mean it's automatically valid or helpful.
1: And that's a commonality between you, Dr. Richardson, and you, Rabbi Barcus, from different perspectives, coming from scientific perspective, from a theological perspective, around kind of giving into that animalistic side that's like the perceived threat that really isn't there. Or often, you know, that we talk about different levels of the soul and the being in Judaism and that, that kind of base animalistic uh soul. So and trying to stay above that in our higher Self. Let's take caller on line three, who's been very patient. Can you hear us, caller?
0: Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Talking to me?
1: Yeah. How are you?
0: Uh, I'm good. I'm, uh, how are you? Best,
1: <laughs> good, good. Give us, do you have a question or comment on this topic?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of questions. Sure. Just, uh, can you repeat uh, the name of this uh, very mysterious teaching or the ballistic teaching that you mentioned,
1: the source? Yeah, uh, um, Rabbi, were you talking about Rabbi Bars? Of course. Yes. What's your question to Rabbi Bars?
0: Uh, I have a couple.
1: Give us one. Uh,
0: uh, just one? Yes. No, oh, I, 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 well, let me introduce myself. It's not the first time I called here. I'm, I'm Christian. I, uh, I have very close. My name is Dennis.
1: Hi, Dennis. I'm, uh,
0: yeah, uh, and um, I, 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 I treat Judaism very highly, and I consider um, If I ask them, Jew Jew, I can give a different answers. Can say yes. I can say some uh, 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 stuff like that. So I, I would like to the rabbi to share more of the wisdom he has and uh, and uh, on, on how to actually do it. So emo- to be able to uh, to emotion- to be able to emo- uh, control emotions and uh, great
1: great and, question. That I appreciate, Dennis. So uh, Rabbi Bars. Give us some additional wisdom from your perspective on how to practically day-to-day control our emotions.
3: Yeah, no, that, that is a question. So uh, our emotions are reactions to how we think about the situation. So, you know, the classic example, you think the lion's come, you know, the early days of the movies, when people saw lions charging on the silver screen, they ran. Because they thought it was real. Now we don't have that kind of reaction anymore because we, we, even though we see the lion, we know that it's not real. So our our, emotions are a reaction to how we think about the situation. So every situation in which you reacted in a poor way or inappropriate way, you have to go back over the situation and, and, and understand how you thought about it and correct the thinking so that next time you won't do such a thing. Uh, I'll give you a very interesting example. I was was coming back from, I think it was San Francisco, on a plane, late night flight, red eye, and sitting next to a guy who's in the weather service and explaining all these ideas to him. And he says to me, now I understand something that happened to my wife. So what's that? He was talking to his wife, and he just stroked her cheek just to calm her down, and she went ballistic off the deep end, and he found out later as a little girl, she'd been beaten, and this mm. triggered her right. So now that he understood what was going on, he thought that he treated her very differently. It's the same reaction, but now he understands the same thing. We have to go back. That's The trouble is what happens invariably when with people is when they lose it and they get upset, whatever it is, they avoid dealing with the situation. They don't talk about it. They don't try and understand it. They don't want to discuss it. And. and especially with couples, you have to do, the worst thing you can ever do in an argument is not learn from it. You have mm-hmm. to sit down afterwards and ask each other, why couldn't we discuss this We're both smart people, not get into the issue again? Right, don't, because well, you said about my mom no, we're not getting into the issue, but why we couldn't talk about the issue. And what you'll find is, well, because I don't like it when you stroke my cheek like that, or I don't like it when you talk about my, you know, headband, or you know, you tap your fingers on the mm-hmm. table, and it could be a very innocuous thing, but that we have these triggers that we don't even realize what we're doing, and they set us off. I'm glad you. you I'm glad
1: you mentioned yes, that because I was going to say it, it, earlier in the show, Rabbi, that the best technique for me when I'm in a moment. Either I'm overreacting or I'm with someone who's overreacting. You, you, you said it so well at the outside. You can't, you don't tell someone to chill out or calm down. That, that has the opposite effect. But I, I tend to think, okay, what's going on? What did I hit? What nerve did I hit? What in psychological, what, what's the trigger that I don't know about? What's the suffering this person is having? Right now in their lives or the difficult thing that happened earlier today that I didn't see or I don't know that's causing exactly. them to react this way and then when I do that I, I access compassion and as soon as I access compassion I'm more settled down no matter what the person is doing so I, I that's that's where for me Dennis I'm sorry we didn't get you another question but we do have another call online for I want to get to for this break but first dr. Richardson uh, I love calling you Dr. E. That's a cool name. Dr. E. Uh, uh, Edgar Richardson. What, what What are some tips from you um, to, to Dennis in terms of controlling your your emotions?
2: Ask yourself if overreacting is helpful in any way. Because there yeah. are sometimes in certain situations where it may be called for, uh, maybe in situations where you are. Protecting, like, your children from running out in the street, and so they may not get a simple, like, oh, don't do that. So you have to overreact so they really understand why that's happening. Um, so put attention to this situation because we don't want to make it sound like it's always all bad. Wow. Um, but, and then learn from it. Think about whether you're able to accomplish what you want from that overreaction, because at the end of the day, it should not create more of a barrier between you and either what you want to do or you and the person, but more how is it bringing you closer together and how can you learn from
1: it? Yeah, I I think that that's a that's that recommendation to be kind of conscious and step back from the moment itself, wherever you go with it is always helpful. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take caller in line for you. Uh, caller, I'm going to ask you to ask your question and then we're going to take a break and we'll get the guest to answer afterwards. Can you hear me? I hear you. Stan, <laughs> <laughs> you sound better this week and you sounded better last week. You well, know I,
5: I didn't want to say anything, but I've been sick. I've been in the hospital, I'm but sorry. that's for another time. Uh, You know, overreaction. Let's talk about one of the greatest, not necessarily overreactors, but we knew what he meant, Adolf Hitler. Everything he said was an overreaction. But he meant everything he said. Everything. His greatest asset, I can't say, was his speaking and his talking and his reaction and overreaction. And the public who loved him went for it all the way. So overreaction in terms of this particular lunatic madman worked for him. And so that's the question. Many of our leaders overreact but are successful what do they have to say about
1: that i we? i cringed when you first brought up hitler because it's always well it's, I, I it's the end it of all in a conversations good way. but i'm glad you did because i didn't
5: mean it in a good way no of
1: course it. no of course I, I know you did and, and first of all uh-huh. Rafuish are i hope you feel i hope you're getting uh-huh. better and you yeah. feel better okay um but i i i think it's a really good point i was it was in my show notes to bring up in the last uh-huh, point, good. That, that sometimes the uh there, the, the overreaction, what looks like an overreaction is actually someone's, uh, strongly held. Exactly. Terrible, disgusting, demonic right. belief. Exactly. And so, right. how do we, and let's put this to both guests after the next break. Sure, sure. R- Rabbi Bars and, and Dr. E, how do you distinguish between two and two? If you're confronted with somebody that it seems like it may be an innocuous overreaction, or it could be that they're in fact a physical threat, to Well, believe so, what they say. Right. Yeah, that Maya Angelou thing, right? And to that show you who today, they are. as we know. Right. Nope. And definitely on the political stage. We are not a political program, but y'all know what I'm I know, about. I know. I know. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, the great question, and let's put that to uh, to, to to Rabbi Bars and uh, Dr. Richardson after the okay. break. Okay. Thanks. we talking to you. As well. I think we're going to break. I
5: kept everything inside, and even though I tried, it all fell apart. What it meant to be, I
1: I really like the music tonight. Okay, let's talk about a relatively new sponsor uh, here on Equal Footing, but in that vein of talking about this stuff that is real and raw without shame, without insecurity. It is the Lola and bear. What if workshops? Okay. These workshops are weekend long or day long. They occur up in the Catskills and also in New York. And they're about achieving new levels of intimacy and honesty and openness with your partner. If you're in a couple, there are couples workshops there are also workshops for singles about how to kind of, create a more healthy dynamic In an intimate and sexual way in your, in your life. Uh, do you want to finally overcome that past relationship trauma? Do you want to feel as drawn to your partner as you did the first day you met? Do you want to, with your husband or wife, explore fantasies and desires in a safe space without judgment? Get through to that next layer. Break down communication barriers and be in a more open space in your relationship. Check out these What If workshops. There was one this past weekend. There's another one coming up at the end of July and a couple of others through the summer. You can go to LolaAndBear.com. That's L-O-L-A-A-N-D-B-E-R, LolaAndBear.com. You can also call and get more details. 848-305-9903 is at the What If Intimacy and relationship workshops to help you and your partner access deeper and more authentic versions of yourself expanding your capacity for real intimacy and opening up, opening up new realms of pleasure. Again, LolaAndBear.com or call 848-305-9903. I've been called We're back with Dr. Edrica Richardson and Rabbi Stephen Bars. We had a great question there from Stan before the break. It's like the boy who cried wolf thing. You know, is someone overreacting and yelling, or are they about to pull out a gun and shoot you? How do you kind of deal with this in contemporary society? Let's start with you, Rabbi Bars. Give us a theological read on, on Stan's question.
3: You. Life is a great, it's a fantastic role, Stan. Very good. Life is not about getting it right. Life is about what you do when you get it wrong. Everybody loses it. There's no such thing. Only in Hollywood, you know people come and collect it as soon as they walk out the out of the room. Everybody loses it. Everyone makes mistakes. The difference is, when you, after you lose it, are you, are you open to hearing, but you overreactive? And there are some people that don't want to hear it. You can't talk to them. I was perfectly fine. Its everybody else that's crazy. And then there's the people go, okay, you know, give it to me. Give me your best shot. Tell me what I did wrong. And that's the distinction between not only personally, but success in business, in every sphere of life. It's the people who learn from their mistakes that succeed, not the people who get it right the first time. There's no such thing as getting it right the first time. It doesn't exist.
1: What do you think, Dr. Richardson?
2: I think he's absolutely correct, because that's, I think, the difference between, to go back to what the caller said, the difference between um, bad leaders and good leaders, right? The the knowing the difference of when to react quickly to situations, and then we know that leaders can't just react. Good leaders just don't react. They need to have all the information. They need to softly think through it because we do know what's going to happen is that you will incite others and get an emotional reactive response if you're saying something in a way that is going to emotionally drive them. And we don't want to confuse being emotional with being emotionally intelligent either because those are two different things. Many of us are emotional a lot of times without using a layer of thought, right? That emotional intelligence to let us know, is this something that makes sense at the time? Are these good things that are happening? Should we use these qualities? And so just because somebody is emotional and they can get a reaction out of another person and they use that to incite does not make them a great leader.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's the extreme pathological, uh, version of overreaction and it's folks right. to b- believe are kind of eating their own cooking on it, or drinking their own Kool-Aid. We, we, we got an interesting question, uh, from Deanie in Brooklyn and she posits very sweetly. Thank you, Deanie. But you basically say we got it wrong here. Uh, you, your, your point is that, um, overreaction as we called it with children is a completely different phenomenon than it is with adults. Check reactance theory. Oh. Thanks, Deanie. We did that a little bit after your question. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, it is healthy in children to have reactions that often seem like overreactions, but it's something that as an adult we move away from. It's part of maturity, etc. So So. Uh, I don't want to get too wonky here, but, um, Dr. Richardson, um, Dini may have a background in, in, uh, in psychotherapy. I'm not sure, but the, the idea reactance theory, this, this idea that that children sometimes do the opposite of what they're told. And that's actually healthy to some degree in development, kind of, you know, getting uh, confronted when you're confronted with threats and your freedom, freedom, like you you can't eat that or you can't, you can't go walk this way or whatever the ways that we are, Guiding our children out of time. It's, and when our children are rebellious, and this is interesting, cause it's kind of contrary to that biblical wisdom we heard earlier, um, that there's, there's actually a healthy developmental thing going on there. Um, but later in life, that reactance, um, the pure kind of polar, I want to do something the opposite of what I'm being told unhealthy. is unhealthy. Does he have it right? And should I have posited that at the beginning of the show? Did we get the premise wrong?
2: Uh, no, and I think what she's referring to is the social reaction theory that's really coming out of criminology, so it's not it's kind of one of the behavioral sciences, but another end of it and what she's talking about if 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 I'm on to the right understanding her question correctly, is that, yes, initially when kids are born, that is something that we need to teach them, right? We need to teach them to survive, right? And survival is making sure they know which things um, that they should be afraid of or which things that they should go towards and what things that they should embrace, right? Those are the things we teach them and knowing when to internalize what beliefs or not. But as um, as a person gets older, they have to learn and have their own intrinsic nature of that because at some point, if somebody has to constantly teach you how to be, then any successful parent can't be successful because you would have failed to get your child's independence. The whole goal of parenting is to, and I, and I heard this once and I can never forget it, The whole goal of parenting is from the moment they start walking is to teach them to walk out of your life in a healthy way, right? So that when they, when they start walking, they want to come back by choice. Mm. And that's because you taught them how to survive on their own, how to know when to use what reactions at what times. And so we must make sure that when we're, when we're teaching them, um, that we aren't traumatizing them. Because uh, that can be the other end of, of some of this reaction theory.
1: Yeah, it's, and, and we, don't have much, we don't have a lot of time to get into this, but it, it is interesting how that juxtaposed a little bit with the rebelliousness of the child point. Um, in, uh, in, in halacha, but I want to get rabbi, this is an interesting question. Uh, we have a, uh, a question from John who clarifies right off the bat that he's Baptist, um, and uh, but loves the program. Thank you, John. Appreciate you listening and having an open mind, learning about different stuff. Um, and he makes the point rightly or wrongly, rabbi, um, that in Christian theology, the peace of God is central. From Philippians 4 7 to many other references, you will literally see those words, the peace of God. In fact, Philippians 4 7 says the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds, etc. Um, and goes on to say that it doesn't that that is not a turn of phrase that is in what he calls the Old Testament or Humash, uh, the Bible. Um uh, so it, it seems like there's, what do you say to John? And, and it seems like there's a value judgment there, John. But, uh, Rabbi, is it, is it true that our, our Christian friends and brothers are, um, you know, kind of more about kind of keeping their cool and, and, uh, being on an even keel it doesn't, and that's not quite as, as exemplified either by Hashem or in, in Jewish theology?
3: um yeah really i'm not understanding the question quite clearly there is a, there is a christian emphasis on this calm calm despite what's going on and um judaism doesn't hold of that ideal um, so I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not quite getting the question. Is that the question?
1: I don't know. I'm reading it just as you were, but I, I think so. It seems like, it seems like what he's saying, and John, feel free to write as we're doing this. We have a minute left or so. Um uh, it seems like what he's saying is that, uh, we have less of an emphasis in Judaism on being, um, tranquil, I guess, and not being reactive uh-huh. emotionally. Right. No,
3: it's, it's being reactive meaningfully. That's the whole key. Is, is channeling your emotions. You know, your emotions, are, you, you know, you go rock climbing, you go uh, bungee jumping, you go to you know on a roller coaster. Emotions is where the life is. It's channeling those emotions so that we... most people can't do that, so they they chill them down, and so we don't feel anything, and it's very it's very debilitating. But to be engaged in something that you love. And um, you're excited about. I was just watching Warren Buffett. You know, he said he's got thousands of managers that work for him. He says most of them are multimillionaires. Some are even billionaires. And they do it because they just love. They love what they're doing. If you if you're living doing what you love and passionate about, that's living.
1: Uh, I, I do think it's, and, and I actually think, John, if you're still listening, that that's a, that's a beautiful difference, actually. I, I respect both sides, and I think that there is something very, very, um, heartening, I guess, about what the rabbis say. It's like, being fully in your emotions, but channeling them. It reminds me of the Oscar Wilde quote, that I don't want to be at the mercy of my emotions, but I do want to use them, enjoy them, dominate them. So it's not ignoring them, putting them aside, but learning. Right, you know,
3: that's being exactly able to see it. Them. Accurately. That's exactly right. That's it. Right. To answer Stan's question about how you deal with it, I, I would say a very important idea is everyone should watch the TED talk by Rick Elias, E-L-I-A-S. He was on the plane that landed on the Hudson. And it, it changed his whole way of thinking. He said, I, I choose to be happy, not Right. <laughs> That's, That's a good, the whole fear a good of learning from what happened. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: sorry, no, we're going to come up on time. It seems like we're going to have to do another episode somehow on this subject. Really good questions still coming in. Thank you, Dr. E, Dr. Edrica Richardson, Rabbi Stephen Bars. Always a pleasure to have you on.
3: Okay, thank so you so much. A lot of fun. Thank, thank you. you. you
1: Keep an even keel out there. Don't overreact. All good. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> good night. So easily my anxiety creeps inside of me Makes it
2: hard to breathe What's come over me feels like I'm somebody else I get overwhelmed so easily My anxiety keeps me silent when I try to speak What's come over me feels like I'm somebody else Spaces We don't know which spaces. And When crowds are shut down I'm overstimulated Nobody gets it Say I'm too sensitive I can't listen Cause I'm eyeing the exits. This mind Isn't mine
5: Or oh, am I to judge oh, why Should be fine